When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. I'm James taking you through today and we've got the fantastic former England international, the slow left arm bowler, Monty Panasar, taking on the Cricket Badger 20 questions, giving a full, open and frank account of his career in cricket, the highs and lows that make up Monty's life in the sport and to mark Mental Health Awareness Week 2020, we also delve into his problems with mental health, how that affected him, and how he's come through the other side. Some really good answers, some really funny answers, and some poignant moments in the chat with Monty Panasar on the podcast today. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com for their continued support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Give their website a visit and have a look at the fantastic sporting content on there. Give them a follow as well on Twitter at tvsportsblog. And plenty to look forward to over the next uh, few weeks on the Cricket Badger podcast. We've got chats with Samit Patel, Mike Selvey, the former cricketer and journalist, Neil Foles, the former world number three snooker player, massive fan of cricket comes on the podcast too. Got chats with Mark Cosgrove. Dion Kreish, who we heard the other day talking about the greats of South African cricket, comes back on to answer the Cricket Badger 20 questions. And Cookie Patel, specialist fielding coach, comes on the podcast to talk about the importance of fielding in the modern game, how you coach it, some tips for players out there as we discuss an increasingly important part of the modern day game. To be a triple rounder these days, you have to be batsman, bowler and fielder, particularly in the white ball game. That's all to come, though, over the next few editions of the Cricket Badger podcast. Today, let's get cracking. We've got Monty Panasar coming on from the Cricket Badger end. Start off by talking to Monty about his hopes for cricket coming back and what he's been up to recently as he takes on the Cricket Badger 20 questions on this edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. Cricket Badger Fact File 
Monty Pan SR. England, Northamptonshire, Sussex and Essex slow left arm spin bowler. 50 test matches and 27 one-day games for his country. 193 international wickets. Getting better looking all the time. Welcome to the Cricket Badger Podcast Monty. Let's have a badger chat. You know, if I can, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see some, you know, cricket and club cricket to be uh, to start playing again. Sort of been been a been a, a regular caller on LBC. I have the Monty channel where I put exercise videos on there, and um, we seem to get a lot of views and people um, want to actually uh, come on to, uh, you know, sort of watch it, and then they want to send videos as well of my fitness stuff. So yeah, it's been a it's been a it's been yeah it's been a very busy time. I've been involved with so many interviews and uh, other stuff, so it's been really good from that perspective. I, I I turned on Instagram the other day, Monty, and I've I've been watching you occasionally. You had your sofa put doing leg push ups on your sofa one day, and then I saw you was it yesterday? You were trying to do uh, kind of push ups on two chairs. I think you managed two. It wasn't very impressive, mate. Yeah, should have done more <laughs> than that. But um, <laughs> I tried to get some other teammates to do it. I don't think they. Uh, they wanted to do that, but um, it, it's it's like uh, yeah, you got to do fun stuff like that. You know, there's got to be a room for fun uh, things in your life throughout the day, and 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 also it's, it's a way of me connecting with my fans by doing fitness videos. Don't get me wrong, there is a massive need for a bit of a laugh at the moment, isn't there? Because uh, if you mm. uh, concentrated on the negative stuff, it would be pretty pretty dark place to be in. Monty, I, I yeah. saw a, saw an interview with you. I think it was last year, and. You were still harbouring hopes of playing county cricket for somebody. Is that something you still have in mind, or is that, is that now gone? Well, I'll look. I'll still give it a go. You never know. There could be a team there would think actually we could do with my services, and uh, yeah, I'll still give that a go. I'll just see what happens. You know, uh, obviously half of the season, so um, I don't know if that will happen. But yeah, I'll definitely um, try and try and see if, if I can give it a go again. Well, you're not an old man, are you, by any means? Um, and as a spin bowler, you know, you still got some years left in you. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I, I, I would, I'd rather be playing than doing anything else. To be honest, I'd rather be on the field spinning the cricket ball. You know, that's what I'll be. That's what I'd rather be doing. So, uh, it's yeah, it's it's an interesting, uh, interesting time. You know, what would the counties do? Would they look out for? Uh, would they look out for uh, trialist or or you know, would there be any room for any trialist to come in? I don't think there'll be any second team games. That's what I've heard, but. You know, you've got to try. If you don't try, you're never going to know. So yeah, I've got to definitely give it, give it a go and see, see what, see what they say. How much do you miss uh, rolling over your arm and uh, and taking wickets? Yeah, I do. I do miss playing cricket. I miss you know um, being on the field. Like today's a beautiful day. It's a great day to be on the field playing cricket, spinning the ball, um, being with your teammates. Um, you know, so it's a, this, this is the best thing. You know, during the hot weather like this, you want to be playing sport. Monty, you're going to take on the Cricket Badger 20 questions today. We'll start at question number one, which is often a, a good place to start. If not a cricketer, what would you have done with your life? If cricket had never existed, where would Monty Panasar have gone? Uh, probably be an actor. An actor? Okay. Yeah, actor in a Hollywood movie. Okay, right, okay. And what kind of actor would you be? An action adventure or something a little bit more serious? Um, I'd probably be either like a, um, a fun guy, like a fun comedy movie. Or a, a thriller, you know, where, you know, I'm involved in this fast-paced world and doing, you know, all these, uh, like, fast-paced things. That sounds good. I'd like to see the Monty Panasar film. Who, <laughs> who was the biggest influence on your cricket career? Like, Nick Cook helped, helped, helped me out a lot. Nick Cook was really good. I think Northampton as a county 
Nick, Nick, Nick Cook was a very good spinner, wasn't he, as well? Was, he, was that the kind of... He was a good spinner, but Northampton as a county was good for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you got decent pitches there to turn the ball on as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I played with a lot of cricketers there. I was good coaches. I played with a lot of people and made some good friends. So, yeah, Nick Cook helped me out a lot during my days. My coach, Dave Parsons, who's passed away, he helped me out a lot. Graham Dilly was really good for me as well at Loughborough. He was a good man, Graham Dilly, wasn't he? He was very sad. His yeah, he was a top guy. He was, he was good for me. What was your best moment in cricket? If I could take you back to any 24 hours and Monty Panasar can relive the joys of that day, which where, where would you take me? Probably Cardiff Test match, saving a test and, and blocking out 69 balls. Oh, that was fantastic, wasn't it? I, I, yeah, no. I spoke to you before and I mentioned Bumble's commentary where England need a hero, outstrides Monty Panasar, And I don't think anybody expected um, you guys to hang around too long. And you did. And you, you won it. I mean, what was it? What, what did it feel like when that final ball went down and you actually managed to uh, realise that you'd secured a draw? I think it just, it, it just felt like um, we couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it that we saved a test match. It was just amazing. Amazing, amazing feeling. And, and was it the old cliche, one ball at a time, see where we get to? Yeah, pretty much, because we're number number 10 or 11. We've got no hope, man. We just thought, yeah, let's just take it one ball at a time. Funny enough, I didn't have stickers on my back that day, so the bat maker, he was furious. He goes, well, you know, I should have had stickers for that bat maker. <laughs> the, um, you had that t- terrific tour to India as well, where England teams always struggle in India, but you and Graham Swan combined brilliantly, didn't you? And uh, was it Mumbai where you took 19 wickets between you? That must have been a good tour. Yeah, that was a brilliant tour, you know. We we both were really good. Um, yeah, we got the best out of each other. He he was good at um, helping me to uh, get the best out of me. And we were competitive in one way. If you got a wicket, I want to get a wicket. If you're going to get a wicket, then I'll, I'll, get, I'll tell him to get this guy out, and then I'll get the other guy out. So, yeah, I wish we played a lot more test matches together. I, I think it would have been a lot more fun. Bowlers hunt in pairs, don't they? And uh, you seem to combine nicely, Graham Swan, with his off-spin, you, your left arm. You had different uh, different skills, but seemed to gel very nicely as a pair. Yeah, yeah, we both had really good skills. And uh, we, uh, yeah, we just really just enjoyed bowling together, if anything, bowling together, hunting together. So, yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. it was very good. You've done your best moments, Monty. Let's uh, go back to your worst moments in cricket. If, if you could avoid a day that you would definitely not want to relive again, which one would that be? What was the, the darkest time? Probably the South Africa last day at Edgebaston. That was probably, probably one of the worst days of my cricketing career where we lost the test match. It was a turning wicket. We were supposed to take a wicket and I didn't take a wicket. And, and Michael Vaughan, after that test match, handed over his captaincy. And as a spinner, you, you have that pressure, don't you? I mean, nobody necessarily expects you to take wickets in the, in the first innings. But when it's day four or day five and you're in the field, it's you that people are looking at, isn't it, to turn the game and to, and to win the game? Yeah. How, yeah how, do, how do you find that? Because that, that's the spotlight's firmly on you then, isn't it? Yeah, you just deal with it, really. You don't think about it too much. I think what you try and do is you, you, you're like, handle the pressure. So, like, you know, you're... you're um, like my mentor was very good for me. You know, he was a good cricketer himself. And, you know, when he, he played Hampshire seconds and even Gordon Greenwich said to him at the time to be a professional cricketer, but he couldn't because, you know, people from coming from India to have a better life in England, they didn't have like, you know, they, need, they needed to work, you know, and, and make money. They couldn't just, they weren't allowed to follow their dreams like we are, we were. So we were very grateful to be in that position. Um, but yeah, you, look, to handle pressure, to be, to be really good at that top level, 
you need a team. You need life mentors. You need people around you because you need someone where you can talk to. And Dave Parsis was really good for me. I can talk to him about it. Someone who was just away from the you know, environment. So like, soak up all the pressure. I talk to him about how I dealt with the pressure. Then he'll tell me how to deal with it. And then go back back in the fighting ring. <laughs> Take a few punches. Come out of it. Tell him like this. This is what the punches are happening. Then go back in it. You know, and, and, and that... That him him having that sort of keeping his keeping himself out of the environment. You know, you would never he never took a photo with me. He um, was n- never to be seen anywhere except maybe in his living room watching me or um, just on the phone. Like he liked it like that. He thought it, you know that's the only that's the best that's that I can get the best out of you if I'm not there watching you in the cricket arena and not seeing and all of that you know I'm just your trusted friend no one knows about and that's it that sounds like a really healthy relationship to have was he a shoulder to cry and was he somebody that chivied you up as well what kind of dynamic was yeah, there? He, look, he motivated me he pushed me if I achieved if I took five wickets in one match you'll say can you do it again in the next one yeah so he could challenge you but he, he was also there when you you were maybe not feeling quite so good yeah he was also there he'll say look you've got to go through the uh, got to go through the pain and for some people, the pain is too much. They can't go through it. And then they, you know, then they don't perform as well. Well, if you go through the pain, like, you know, like hold yourself together on a pitch where you know you can't bowl too aggressive. Because if I bowl it, if I put you on leg stump, it's going to slide on. But if I leave it on off stump all day long and be patient with that. Now that, for me, I don't want to do that. I want to put you on middle stump. I don't want to turn the ball and get the guy out. But I can't because of the first day pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have to persevere with that. And that's the sort of coaching, you know, that's the sort of thing where they teach you, coach with your mind, you know, coach your mindset. And then I'll, I'll just hang it all day and off stump. But what I did, I grooved my action really well. So when it came to the fourth day, because my spell was really good, I was able to then um, just bowl sides out. And then that's what then my coach would say. You know, you persevere the first day, but then you'll get your wickets later in the fourth and the fifth day. So that's how you've got to think. The Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Did, did you feel as a player the warmth from the public? Because you know, from my perspective, you seem to be yeah, a, very, a very much loved cricketer. And I don't know why that is that the case. I don't know why the public warmed to me. I don't know why everyone... You know, just warms towards me. Can I tell you why I think? I, I, I don't know. I, I've, never, I've never knew that. I, I think from, from a distance with you, I think you, everyone could see the quality that you had with the spin. You weren't necessarily the best fielder, so people could, could kind of sympathise you a little bit with that. You always had uh, a very kind of charming expression on your face, big wide eyes and stuff, which I think was quite endearing. And I just think people kind of warm to your, your personality. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And when I was at Lashing, I started to do my, you know, after dinner speaking stuff. You know, he would say, I watch you. You go to a room. You get a young kid coming up to you. You get, like, couples coming up to you. You get teenagers. Then you get grandparents. Like, you get the whole age spectrum warming towards you. And he goes, there's not many people who who can do that. And he goes, you can do that. You just, like, it's just how you are as a human being. Like, people warm towards you. You know, I, I, I think I just loved cricket so much. And I loved playing the game of cricket and I loved just taking wickets. 
I think that's that's the, that's the other thing. When when I watched you play, you always looked like you were in the game and enjoying it. And I think people like to see that in their cricketers that somebody's giving a hundred percent and is actually enjoying it because they they like to put themselves in your position. They they're jealous of you because they they would love to be an England player, but they like to see their England players looking like they're getting the most out of it. Yeah, it's you're trying to get the most out of yourself. You're trying to enjoy it because, like for me, I've always been taught from a young age that. Once you get to your goal, always take, just take a time out, five minutes, whatever, celebrate that moment, whatever it is, you know, have your favorite cake, have your favorite food, take your friends out for dinner, celebrate that moment because when you can then go to your next goal, you know, you, you keep celebrating it because you, then it becomes easier to achieve more goals. Uh, but if you don't celebrate these moments, then what ends up happening um you, you know, you're like the, the the mind and the body doesn't recognise when it when we've achieved a goal. So when we acknowledge it, that the mind and the body knows that oh yeah, um, we we we've achieved our goal. That's why you know we, we're treating our friends or you know um, I'm treating myself, whatever it is. And then it gets accustomed to it. So it, you know the mind and the body starts wanting it more. It starts wanting that feeling of acknowledging the next goal and the next goal and then you end up just being more motivated you want to strive for more because that's what the mind and the body and the spirit want when, when did you i mean you, you've spoken a lot about your your sort of mental health issues and i think it's really healthy with sportsmen coming out and talking about it with just gothic trot and yourself and uh, and various other people when did that first start to be a problem was it other people that noticed it in you or did you recognize it in yourself that you were maybe struggling a little yeah, look, I, I kind of recognised it partly. I realised when I was in Brighton, you know, I wasn't taking wickets as quickly as possible. You know, before, it's all performance related. If it takes me 60 balls to get wickets, fine. If it takes less, that's great. And I'm in a good place. But when I'm not taking as many wickets and it's taking me like 90 balls, 80 balls, you know, that's like, you know, it's taking me a third of, of my workload, you know, and, that, and that's a lot, you know, and that's another sort of uh, 10 overs, which is a lot. Uh, you're asking a lot of yourself and you know you kind of like get stressed and you think why is this happening what's going on and then suddenly you know like even myself I I, I kind of like you know used alcohol as a way of boosting it forgetting about it and it boosted me and whatever and I thought oh I feel feel all right now and you don't realize that actually use alcohol is like is it the medication itself it's an antidepressant and then I soon realised actually I'm depending on alcohol and I shouldn't be doing it. You know, like I need to stop this and then I do more exercise. But it's about addressing it. It's the little lies that you have within yourself that you can't. If someone asks you how you are, you'll say, "Yeah, I'm really good. I'm fine." But you're lying. You're, you tell them how you really feel. Actually, you know what? I don't feel great. I'm not bowling really well. I need I need I need help from a from my coach to get my strike rate down. I can start performing better. But you don't, you know, you're trying to be a bit of a bravado about it. So is that is that because you're you're in a, a very much a male-dominated kind of dressing room kind of culture, and you don't want to show weakness? Is that the reason? Or yeah, look, plastics. You know, all we knew was about winning. You know, um, that's what it was. You had to win. Everyone had to win. Everyone, you know, it was just fitness. Everything was like measured and. You know, if you weren't performing well, then you're under pressure. And yeah, I, the pressure got to me when I wasn't bowling well. I basically uh, had to, you know, find a way of like making myself better again, rather than talking about it. Go to the coach, just just be honest and say, look, actually, I'm not scared. Be, I'm not scared of being dropped in the next game. I'm not fear of that. But I need to tell you that I'm not bowling at my best, and I don't feel great. 
don't know what's going on. Um, I just need to tell you this is how I feel at the moment. And if you talk about your feelings and your emotions, half of the time, by just doing that, your next game you'll, you'll do better because you just opened up and talked about your feelings. I mean, I, I've spoken on this podcast before about I, I've had struggles in the past with anxiety and, and, and depression at times. And it is exactly what you just said, that you, it's admitting to yourself, isn't it, that you've got an issue first, that you've got to do that first, then to talk to people about it. Well, it's, it's, it's the anger, isn't it? It's the anger that we have inside us. Mm. That's what causes the stress. And uh, there's some people who, like, you know, will brush it off and say, oh, don't worry, next game I'll do really well or whatever. Or, or in the dressing room, take the mickey out of someone because, of, you know, that, that's what dressing room banter is. But actually what they're trying to do is they're trying to make them feel, make themselves feel better um, because they're not performing well. So they start taking the mickey out of someone in the dressing room. And uh, in fact, in fact, what they're doing, they're distancing themselves from their own feelings. Yeah, yeah. And so you have these kind of like, you know, um, situations that, that tend to take place in, in, in all of these different, um, you know, scenarios. People can suddenly start thinking, oh, where was that burst of anger from? You know, not getting an appeal, then get really angry at the umpire. Or um, what kind of decision was that? That wasn't a decision of clarity. Um, then suddenly you're like, your anger's not helping other people. You know, that suddenly the people that were sort of um, loving my energy, I was actually angry with the game. You know, I was angry with, I'm personally angry with myself, not being kind to myself, angry not performing at the level I should have done. And suddenly that frustration starts falling into the dressing room and then suddenly people start thinking that actually um, uh, is a bit of a bad egg in the dressing room. There was that much publicised event in, in Brighton which ended up... Uh with you leaving Sussex, won't go into the details of that, but was that, was that quite a low moment? Because you're in the press and it was negative publicity and you've generally yeah, had a positive. Yeah, that was a low moment for yeah. me, yeah. It was a, yeah, it was a low moment. I, I think the week after that, I was going to, I had a book with a psychiatrist anyway and I couldn't believe my luck, you know. I was like, jeez, I want to have things to go worse. Just going to the old Trafford Test match, thinking I'm going to play. Next thing I know, I'm not going to play. Come back home, already really angry. So, you know... Um, the boys asked me for, you know, do you want to come out for a drink? And I'm like, I don't really want to. I just want to stay at home. The next thing you know, something like that happens. And then I then I changed my mind and think, okay, yeah, yeah, actually, you know, why, why don't I just, you know, just go out for a drink? You know, it was like 11 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock after 11 o'clock, I got the call and I said, oh, do you want to, do you want to come for a drink? And I was like, all right, then, yeah, I'll come out for a drink. And to be honest, I wish I just said no. I said no at the start. I wish I just said no, I don't want to. And that's what hindsight gives you, isn't it? That's the, that's the trouble with hindsight. But yeah, that's it. That's it. And you know, when uh, when when things don't go your way, or when when it's that sort of you know whatever it is, you know, you're not clearing negative energy, not clearing your mind. Then these these are the things that sort of happen in your life. Then you mentioned having a, a counselling session the week after that. The was that when somebody told you that you got paranoid um, schizophrenia? Because that that must have been not really that, no. That, that happened that, afterwards, but. That, was just, that must yeah, have been a really well, weird moment, though, Monty. I can't imagine sitting in front of somebody and they they saying those words to you, and that that must have been quite a shock to you to hear those words. That that sort of diagnosis. Yeah, like for me, um, it was uh, I don't know what to say. But before that appointment, I, my mind wasn't calm. My mind was like spinning everywhere, and I couldn't just calm it down. I, I, I actually just um, spoke to me, gave me some medication, and it calmed my mind down. So that was it, really. But it was just you know, difficult to uh, talk about it. I, I don't know what was going on. Like, I never thought, like, this is this is what was going on in my mind. But actually, you know, I wasn't ill. I, I wasn't well. And I, I don't know, I don't know what this, what this was. I never, 
felt this before in my life. So, you know, when, when you haven't experienced something like this, it, it's difficult to talk to people about it. But then I soon realised, you know, the longer it went, that obviously everyone thinks I'm off the rails <laughs> amongst the cricketing circle. They all think, oh, you know, he's off the rails, uh, this guy, he's not, he's not in a good place. And no one wanted to talk to me, everyone kept a distance because I wouldn't open and talk about it. So then I opened up, talked about it, and then people got a bit of an understanding from it. And then I started to address the problem and I thought, yeah, I'm going to sort out what's going on and, and get better. So, so you actually felt that other people thought you were a little bit of a liability and, and maybe the problem, whereas actually it was your health that was the issue and you just needed to get... Yeah, it's more yeah. my mental health problem, not me. But then that's what happens. If you're not going to open up, if you're going to keep that anger inside yourself, then it, what it looks like to the outside person is this is how he is as a human being. So you can't even got yourself to blame, to be honest. You've got to, like, tell people stuff. If you don't yeah. tell anyone, then how are they going to know? Like, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult. You can't assume people to understand what's happening inside if you can't if you, if you don't open up and talk about it I, I saw you mentioned that you were you know you, you were positive about it you wanted to kind of get through that that chapter in your life are, are you 100% well now or are you still very conscious of the fact that uh... oh, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm like I'm back 100% I haven't drunk for the last three years stopped drinking I think my relationship with alcohol wasn't wasn't a good one um, I think I used alcohol as a way of medication as an antidepressant at times I would drink loads just to like boost and feel good I remember Andy Flower during the Ashes, he said to me, like, you don't really speak much, but when you have a drink, you speak a lot more. And I go, why do you do that? And I, I just and I just didn't realise, like, well, why do I do that? You know what I mean? You're a different person when you got the drink in you. Well, yeah, exactly. When the Ashes was over, we, like, I think we won the Ashes. But he goes to me, like, generally, you're not, you don't speak much about cricket, but when you have a drink, you speak a lot more. You, you open up and you talk. And is it the drink speaking or is it you speaking? He couldn't work out what was what. Maybe that was a little sign for me that, hang on a minute, maybe maybe I'm not really well, do you know what I mean? Because why am I speaking when I have a drink? But I need to be able to speak without the drink. I suppose with hindsight, that moment with Andy Flower was possibly a chance to actually start to talk to somebody, but you haven't got to that stage where you recognise the issue then, has you? Yeah, like I've always had a good relationship with Andy Flower, and I think he kind of, he picked up on that, but we never, we never went more into it. He just said, mm. I just thought, I'm just observing something. And when you drink, then you talk, but without drinking, you don't talk. And um, yeah, it was just um, I don't know. That was that was, that was I couldn't work that out. Maybe 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 I, maybe yeah maybe you know I wasn't maybe I wasn't well and I just didn't know about. It. Yeah, but I mean, that was probably his way of actually trying to get you to open up a little bit more, wasn't it? But you didn't recognise yeah. that there was an issue there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. Moving on to another part of your life, I'm very conscious that we haven't actually got through many of the 20 questions yet, Monty, and I don't want to keep you too long, but the... Um, I. 
being a, a British-born Asian and representing England, um, I always used to think that there was an added kind of pressure there to be a, a role model and to be a, an icon for that kind of community where the ECB were trying to obviously get people on board a little bit. Did you feel a pressure being a, a British-born Asian playing in, a, in an English side that you were a role model and maybe a bit more was expected of you because that Asian population is obviously a target audience for the ECB? Yeah, yeah. There's always a like, you know, that I'm always like a being a role model for the Asian community and also, you know, for the for the ECB to get more people into uh, more Asians connected to cricket. You know, I think you know you got to you got to make some good decisions. Like, if you want to be involved with the ECB, you want to be involved with like these like you know well established governing bodies and and then they've got to see a change of behaviour in you. They've got to say, right, okay, if if, if there's a problem with you, then Go and out, go over, go out there and address it. Come back when you're better, and we will help you with that with the PCA, provide you with that service. But when when you come back, you know, there was, like a lot of people have said to me, we we see a change in you, like being in your presence. I feel a lot calmer just being around you. I feel there your voice has changed, the way you speak, the way you give clarity about stuff, and also um, it looks like you're you're a lot better. You know, your face looks better. You just look better. Um, you're, you you know you're one sign is like you're keeping your body and everything in place and everything like that. So when when they when they see stuff like that, then it then it's like the ECB will think, yeah, this is safe now. It's safe to Monty to get involved with the with the with the governing body. Maybe we'll get him more involved with the helping more Asians getting into the game. Maybe helping as a spin coach or whatever. But you know, if you're if you're not well or if they don't if they're not convinced you're not well, then you know they're gonna everyone keeps the sort of says look. You know, if you want to get involved, then we need you to be 100% because we can't risk you not being well. Mm. And people have short memories, you know. People, like, take things personally. Like, if my behavior, like some of my behaviours were atrocious when I was at Essex. Like, I would run around the lap by myself while the team would be warming up or arrive a little bit late or whatever. And it was just, I don't know what was wrong. Maybe I was trying to seek attention. Maybe I wanted to behave in that way to wind people up. Maybe I just thought, you know, this is a fun way of doing stuff. But, you know, it, obviously something I didn't feel right in my mind. And that's why I was behaving in a different way than, than I'm supposed to. So when they've seen a change in that and my decision became, I thought, well, let's stop drinking now because drinking, my relationship with alcohol is not good. You know, what it does, if I start drinking, it makes me feel negative. It brings up all the negative thoughts. And I don't want that. So I'll stop drinking. People have seen a change, you know. I'll go actively to test matches. I'll meet all my ex-captains, all my teammates, to say hi and bye, whatever. And then what it is, you know what it's like. Once you behave bad, you know, it takes about six to nine months. They're going to say, is this just a one-off thing? Is Monty just all right today? And, or is it consistently in a good place? Like, we need to see this. It's trust, isn't it? And that's what, that's what it is with the ECB. Like, they would, they would never give, they would never... Uh, get me involved with anything until they feel that he's 100% well. And by me not drinking for three years, by me consciously going to test matches and meeting all my peers and, and sh- showing them that I'm better now, just by high and greets and whatever, that I think that there is a you know there is a change and people are thinking yeah you know he's yeah he is he is he is a lot better now. Ah, that's good to hear. That's very good to hear. Who was your cricket hero when you were young? Was there a poster boy on the Panasar wall? Uh, my cricket hero was Bisham Beatty. That's yeah, I can you can see that. <laughs> Your action's quite yeah. yeah, he's quite a loopy action as well, isn't he? Yeah, same action as mine. So yeah. Did you get to meet him? Um, yeah, I have. I, I met him a few times. I, I even got his number. He messages me every day. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, that's fantastic. To yeah. So yeah. 
If if you could trade lives, Monty Panasar, with any current cricketer for a date, you can live in their skin and experience what it's like to be them and play like them. Who would you choose? That's a good question. Uh, I'll probably like to be Chris Gale. I mean, he bowls a bit of spin, doesn't he? But not as well as you. But he can hit the ball a bit further than you, with all due respect. Yeah, I like to bat like him and just hit sixes. <laughs> and it doesn't take you very long either, does it? If you're Chris Gale, you can go in and score a century and be home for lunch. You're in charge of world cricket for a day, Monty. Yeah. What, what would you do to change the game to make it better? You're in charge. You've got you've got all the power. No, I'm I'm, I'm happy as it is. You know. Um, do you know what I mean? I'm I'm I'm, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm happy with think everything feels good. I want you to write a letter now to yourself when you were 14 years old. What advice would you give the young Monty Panasar that you wish you'd known then? Get a PT fitness trainer. That's what I needed. Do you think that would have made a difference? Huge difference. Yeah. 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 They say rock stars want to be sportsmen. Everybody seems to want to be famous in a different world. All cricketers seem to want to play football ahead of matches these days as well. If you could have been famous doing something else, I mean, we've already talked about the acting, but uh, if you could have been famous doing something else, what would you have chosen to do? Interesting, actually. I probably would have um, been... Um, what, what could I have been? Maybe maybe worked in the city, I reckon. Oh, a bit of a, a city slicker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wall of Wall, wall, of wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> If, if you could meet anybody, living or dead, who would you like to meet to have a bit of a chat with? Good question. You've obviously met your hero, Bish and Betty, so that one can be crossed off. He, he's going to be there anyway. Um, Jesus, mate. Jesus Christ. Okay. Sit down with him and have a bit of a ching. What would you ask him? I'll say, can I be one of the 12 to sit on your dining table, mate? <laughs> that would change the picture of the Last Supper, wouldn't it, if Monty Panasso was in the middle of that? Yeah. <laughs> there would be all these other people, and there's one guy with a, with a beard and a, and a turban on, and he's sitting next to Jesus, just having his last, last supper with Jesus. Yeah, that would change the whole course of history, I reckon. That would, yeah. I don't think the Pope would be happy about it. <laughs> who would play you? They're going to make Monty the movie, and Steven Spielberg's on the phone. He says, Monty, who should play you in the film? John Travolta. John Travolta. <laughs> so you'd, you'd be able to dance, wouldn't you? You'd probably be able to play cricket if you taught him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll get him to dance. We'll get, we'll, 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 I'll throw a few balls at him. What's the last time you can remember feeling really nervous? Are you a nervous kind of character or do you take things in your stride? I think as I've gone older, I've become a lot more like, a lot more fearless and a, and a, less, and a lot more confident. I wish I was like that when I was younger. Yeah. I think if I had a PT, that would have helped me because, you know, because I wasn't a very good fielder, probably, yeah. If, if you're anything That's like me, Monty, I think as I get older, I, I, I still get a little bit nervous about, about the big things in life. But you also, at the back of your mind, you know that you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. If you, if you, if you mess up, it doesn't really matter. And I, don't, I think when you're a kid, you don't realise that. Yeah, but I think, if I, let's say if I had a kid now, and I had a son, or if I, if I was mentoring someone, I would definitely get a you know what it is? The biggest confidence boost is when you're athletic and fit. So you look at Ben Stokes, he mm. can catch the ball, he can sprint, um, he can bowl fast. Now, because he does all these three things, you know, he's naturally going to be very confident with himself. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing you should do is get your kid to be athletic, run fast, do everything. Look at De Villiers, he could play all sports, you know. And I, and I wish I just did that when I was younger. I had a PT and made me athletic. You know, my conf- I would have been fearless, my confidence levels would have been up. Because my movement is so good. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. That's did, important. Did you enjoy fielding? I did, but I had to run around a lot because I was a rubbish fielder. Put me down to fine leg, third man. And if I was like really athletic and quick like I am now, I do a lot more body weight exercises. Like I'm more athletic now than I was when I was younger. That I wish I, you know, I was able to go around and do all of these things. But it would have been, it would have been so much better for me. 
Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. The listeners are going up every single week through COVID-19. Hopefully, we're giving you a little bit of entertainment to take you away from the troubles in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Loads of great guests planned for the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned to Cricket Badger podcast. Like, subscribe. Thank you so much for your support of the Cricket Badger podcast. What's the top item on your bucket list? Things to do before you die. What would be number one? <laughs> keep it clean. Go, go, go keep, on a keep cruise. It, go, keep it clean from go, that laugh. <laughs> no, go go on a cruise, Mediterranean cruise. Okay. Live on the sea for 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 two weeks. That'll be interesting. Go on a holiday. Go on a ski holiday, which I've never done. Well, those those cruise ships, they like getting a celebrity on there to do a, a bit of a chat at lunchtime. You could probably get a freebie doing that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going on a cruise. I've never never done it before, so I wouldn't mind doing that, actually. You could read them chunks of your book, take questions, and get a free cruise. Sounds like a good deal to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Do some fitness in the morning. Do Jovix, get all the cruise ships out, 8 o'clock Monty fitness session. Are you a morning or a night person, or has that changed? No, I'm a morning person. Have you always been so like when, that? When, when, yeah, I think when I was in a good place, I became... I used to find it difficult to go to sleep, but now I'm I'm a morning person. I've always been a morning early rise early riser. On a scale of one to ten, ten is the fonds. How cool are you? I think I'm becoming cooler with age. I think I'm like I'm 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 end up I'm end up going to be like George Clooney. I'm just as older I get, I think the hotter I'll get. <laughs> so so where would you put yourself on the scale now, and where where would you anticipate you're getting to by the time say you're sixty? Yeah, I'm a six and a seven, and then in my fifties, I'll you know I'll be at eight, and in my sixties, I'll probably be a nine or a ten. I'll be like one of the most hottest guys on the planet at the age of sixty. That's probably when your acting career is going to start. You know, know, when you're really cool, that's when they're going to throw you into the big films. Well, I'm 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 already ready for it. (laughs) So you know, (laughs) by that time, I hopefully I should have done twenty Hollywood films. There you go, and and you're going to get better looking all the way through them. Exactly. I'm doing a favour for the film industry there. <laughs> if you've had access to a time machine, where and when would you go to to see what it was like in those times? You can go forward if you want to as well. You can go forward 20 years to when you're really good looking. <laughs> I'll probably go back 500 years ago when our first guru, our first like you know, our disciple or our God was born 550 years ago. Okay. And I would like to just, yeah, walk with them, just how, what they were like. I, I would love to know that. And is religion really important to you? I think, yeah, religion is a big thing for me. Faith is a big thing for me. I, I'm, a, I'm a religious guy. I, I believe in my faith. I believe in God. And this is an interesting time. You're in coronavirus, and there's people who are atheists are now beginning to believe in God. They're like, actually, there's something else out there. There's another force, or God's going to provide the answers. You know, we can't have you know, the scientist or this 5G technology or get every human being to be a robot by taking the vaccine and they'll know where you are. And then there's another energy. God, God's going to provide these strategies. And rightly so, you know, people have not answered the question of how does the heart beat? No one knows the answer to that. And that's because there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an energy out there such as existence, God, whatever we want to call it, the sixth sense, positive energy, Whatever, you know, let's just keep it as positive energy. You don't want to go make it too complicated. Mm. But there is, there is a, a, a positive energy out there which people can access to. And it's up to you how you want access to that. I don't, I don't want to get all Ricky Gervais on you, but I'm very much of the, of the atheist type of person. I'm, 
I've, I've never really believed in anything like that. I kind of look at the science of it and the biology of it and think that things have just evolved as, as time has gone. But I've never been somebody who has been kind of, kind of ridiculed or, or kind of disbelieved or mocked anybody that's had a belief because I think it can be very important to people to believe in something, whether like you, you actually believe the whole story or whether people just use it as a bit of a, a comfort blanket because that, that's important in life as well. But everybody needs a little bit of security and, 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 and comfort. Yeah, so do you believe in uh, Father Christmas? Kids believe in Father Christmas, and it's a nice comfort to have. It's a nice comfort to have, isn't it? I did do until I walked down the stairs on the Christmas Eve and I got really excited and saw my my mum eating the mince pie and my dad drinking the sherry. I've got a couple of nieces. You tell them Father Christmas is coming to give you loads of presents. Oh, we can't wait to see him, and it's great. Or when some people say when you break your tooth, you put it under your pillow and the tooth fairy will come and then take it away and then all your wishes will come true. Now, it's great mystical sci-fi stuff and it makes your mind creative and imaginative and it takes you to a place where you think, oh, you know, um, Santa Claus is going to come with his reindeer under the chimney and put all my presents there tomorrow morning, not knowing it's the parents who do it, right? Yeah. But doesn't it make you feel, doesn't it make the kids feel amazing? They feel happy and they feel great. Absolutely. Now, yeah. for an atheist, that's what, that's why they don't, they got no shoulder to cry on. Yeah, that's what that's you think why, I'm missing. That that wonder in the world is, is what I'm missing, is it? That, that wonder in the world is what you're missing. That They say that the support of the God is, he will support you more than any human being would ever will. He, you show faith in me, you Take one step towards me and I will be a comfort to you all the time. You know, it could be go to church. It could be just read the Bible. It could be anything. But if you're not going to willing to do that and you're going to say, right, you know, you're going to, you're going to be an atheist and you're going to protest against my kingdom. Then when things don't go great for you, then I won't be there to help you either. Then you have to work it out, you know, with whoever you want to work that out with. And that's when you realise that maybe, why not? Why don't, why don't I have a fantasy? Yeah, actually, God will make things better for me. You know, he's my comfort of support. He is my Santa Claus. Why not think like that? I have a fantasy. What's I, wrong with it? I, I don't, yeah, if, uh, uh, any fantasy is good by me. Any fantasy is good by me. I fantasise that I, I used to open the batting for England in, in test matches. It's, and that gives me comfort <laughs> well, if, that, if that helps, <laughs> <laughs> if that helps. Hey, do anything. You want to just feel good about yourself. I'll tell you what, mate, you should be a preacher because you, I mean, I'm, I'm probably a thousand steps away from you, but I did walk a couple towards you just then when you were talking. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Well, you're going to soon, soon, that, that may be true then. Maybe, maybe Jesus will come and say, look, Monty, you know, you, you want to meet me. You want to be, you want to have that final supper with me. I may just come down and have, I'm, I'm, I may just come back just to have that. <laughs> I may just come back, come back again. If you could live anywhere in the world, and you've, you've seen most of the world, because cricketers follow the sun and go to some of the most beautiful places on the planet, if you could live or have a second home anywhere in the world, where would you like to uh, put, down a, put down a bit of Monty Panasar? Oh, good question. Good question. I mean, you've been everywhere, haven't you, Monty? So you, you, you've travelled the world, you've seen a lot of very nice places. Yeah, I'm probably... I think London is one of the best cities in the world. And... But then when I go to my Sikh religion and I go to some of the temples as well, I really enjoy that as well. So, But where would I like to live? You know, where would it, where would it make me happy and, and live? Has, has it taken going to a lot of different places around the world to actually realise that London's fantastic? Or did you always think that? No, London's brilliant, honestly. I, I don't think there's a better place in the world than London. London's a great place. Maybe, maybe I'd love to have a, like a, 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 a £20 million or a £10 million house 
in St. John's Wood or Primrose Hill. Just a massive mansion and just enjoying enjoying life. Well, a couple of films in. That's that's probably on the radar, isn't it? Once you once you get that film career going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll invite you to my new home. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change? Change about myself? Yeah. That's a good question. Or you, know, you might be happy now. Some people say, I don't think I'd change anything. I'm really happy with the way things are. Not to eat crisps. I eat too much crisps. <laughs> too much junk yeah. food, yeah. Junk food. I wish I ate less junk food. We're down to question number 19. Monty, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Got two questions left for you. The first one is, what will you be doing in 10 years' time? I'll be in a movie with The Rock. I can actually picture it, you know. I can see it. I can as well. Question number 20 then, Monty Panasar. And this is one that some people struggle with. If it had been Monty interviewing Monty today on this podcast, what question would you have asked yourself to get a great and exclusive answer? Monty, are you prepared to do the full Monty. And your answer would be? No. <laughs> and it would be pointless on a podcast anyway because nobody would ever get to see it. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked the question. <laughs> Monty, it's been a joy to have you on the Cricket Badger podcast. I'm glad to hear you well. I'm glad to hear you positive and everything about life these days. And uh, wish you all the best for the future. Thanks for being on. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much. It's that Badger style. Thanks very much to Monty Panasar for joining me on the Cricket Badger podcast today. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed catching up with the former England international. As I said at the top of the podcast, plenty more great guests to come over the next few weeks. Thanks for all your comments. Thanks for all your nice messages about the podcast during lockdown. We found a few new listeners as we've gone through the last few weeks. Hopefully you'll stay with us as we continue to grow the Cricket Budget Podcast. Please give it a like, give it a subscribe. If you're feeling really generous, leave a nice comment on whatever platform you listen to the Cricket Badger Podcast on. Thanks for listening. Make sure you join me next time on the Cricket Badger Podcast. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.